listening to the Power Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everybody. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I am very excited to have with me today a delightful woman. Dr. Tiffany Noonan, she's this nice mix of the real kind of change agents in the world, the ones that come from this pretty prescribed background, but then they've kind of branched out from that and are doing something really amazing with it. And she's a great example of that. So she is a pediatrician, certified parenting coach, but she founded Epic Parenting. And so I love her story and she'll share it here with you in a little bit about how she kind of came from the world of pediatrics and then moved into doing something like coaching which is just remarkable and how many lives she's touching through that and the impact that she's having on the world with that really cool intermixing of talents and abilities is pretty remarkable. So if you'll join me in welcoming Dr. Tiffany Noon into the show. Welcome, Tiffany. Tonya, thank you very much for having me today. And I'm super excited to be able to talk to your tribe and your crowd today and talk about how we can all be epic. (laughs) I like that conversation a whole lot. So let's start with what are your superpowers? Sure. My superpowers are, and it's very funny because I've had these superpowers throughout my life, but I shut them down for many years. And it's been about the past five or seven years that I've really been embracing the fact that I am very intuitive. I have superpower of energetic sensitivity, which some people may not see as a superpower, but I think it's an amazing gift for what I do. And a huge capacity to love beyond circumstances, but to be able to transmute other people's feelings and emotions and situations into love where they get to see the love and be able to connect with themselves and others because of it. So intuition and energetic sensitivity are huge. And then love. Oh, I love that. And I really appreciate that you gave voice to the fact that, you know, in our language over superpower experts, we tell people that all superpowers start off as a challenge. Your greatest superpowers usually start off as your greatest challenges. And it's only in neutralizing those challenges that we then get to see them for the gifts that they are. And this is true of our predisposed superpowers, such as energetic sensitivity, intuition, those types of things, as well as those really unique superpowers, which is, you know, the big mission kind of work that we do in the world almost always stems from an example of when we didn't have that skill set or when we weren't (laughs) utilizing it in a way that we can now. You know, I joke and say, you know, Spider-Man had to get bit by the spider for a reason. And so there's so much to that journey. And I love that you just called that out and are clear that it really does enhance the work that you do in the world. It does. And there was a time when I didn't fully understand it, especially when I was practicing medicine, going through residency. And I I often thought that there was just something wrong with me because I so deeply felt what was going on around me. That's not a huge asset in medicine, right? When you sort of have to be able to walk out of whatever room and walk into the next one and be present in a different way. So it was something that I learned, unfortunately, to sort of shut down and not give any credence to in my life. And then as I had my own children and I started to think about what I wanted to create in my life and the world I wanted them to grow up in, I naturally had to open up to my own sensitivity and my own emotions so that I could feel the way I wanted to feel around my children. And that meant feeling a lot more than Mm -hmm. I was allowing myself to feel before. And now it's absolutely beautiful and I consider it a gift and I can look back on my life and see how it's always been a part of who I am. It was part of what led me to decide to become a pediatrician. 
I was 12. I decided I wanted to change the world, right? I saw and felt a lot of pain and I wanted people to grow up healthy. And at that time, I thought pediatrics was the way to do it. And I found a greater way that fits me better now, but it's always been there and it's a blessing to be able to open up to that and really own all of who I am. And did you find too that like in the moments perhaps when you were being challenged the most with it, you know, to really take it seriously and to really take a hard look at it, that those sensitivities were heightened? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but was it your relationship with it that changed or was it the extremism of it that altered or both? Or what was your experience with that? I think it was learning that I starting to understand that it wasn't that was something wrong with me. Because there was a time when I just thought that the way I was feeling was something that no one else experienced. And I was taking it personally, like not understanding that I was taking in other people's energy. So when I would go into crowded places or go to a mall, I would turn it on myself and feel like there must be something wrong with me. I would joke because I'm like in college, I was like, I must be agoraphobic because I can't stand to go to the mall around Christmas time. Mm. And there was nothing wrong with me. I was never agoraphobic. I'm like, but that's not possible because I get out, I go to my job, I hang out with people all the time. As I started to open up to it, it was just learning to accept that it's part of who I am and self-acceptance. And the more I was willing to accept it and listen to it, the more I was able to be comfortable with it and create boundaries so that I do get to recognize what are my feelings and what are my emotions versus what are the ones of the people that are around me. Mm -hmm. So getting more comfortable with it, it is heightened because I am aware of it now instead of attributing all of my feelings to in trying to make them be about me if that makes any sense before I was like oh I must be stressed and anxious I wasn't five minutes ago but it must be me and try to find a reason for that instead of realizing it was the company I was keeping (laughs) oh it makes total sense and I think a lot of the hesitancy that people have in really harnessing these gifts is that the fear is, is that you never get a break, you know, that they're there forever. And it's like, no, at least my experience with it was that there were really heightened moments of like really where it felt completely overwhelming. And that's a technique that I've used with myself to get me to pay attention to things. And then once I did, it wasn't that the sensitivity necessarily went away. In fact, I like what you said about it's even more heightened because you use it, you know how to use it but your relationship with it changes. And so it doesn't feel overwhelming. You don't lose it, but you learn how to manage it in a very different way, I guess. And so really wanting to give people some hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel on this, but you usually get there through listening, you know, and really developing that relationship with it. Yes, I would absolutely agree. Yeah. And then you learn how to protect yourself and be able to, you know, I can go into crowded places now because I know how to set my intention and guard my own energy. And I know what my focus is when I'm there. And then I can pay more attention when I'm working with clients. It's an amazing gift to be able to to Mm. feel what's going on for them. A lot of times when they aren't quite capable of feeling it themselves quite yet, when they're not exactly sure what's going on under the surface. So that's a huge gift as a coach to be able to say, I hear the words you're saying, and how does this ring true to you? Like, how does this feel exactly Mm. what's going on? So it's an amazing skill. And it's wonderful with my children too. You know, it helps as a parent. Oh, beautiful. So talk to me about epic parenting and what that looks like and the work that you do there. Sure. Epic parenting is my coaching business that I founded 
three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago now. It stands for Empowered, Peaceful, Inspired, and Connected Parenting. And it is aimed at helping families create the real relationships that they want. It's not a one-size-fits-all parenting approach where they all end up with families that look like mine, but it's really about getting clear about what type of relationships you want to have and the individuals in your home, and then really creating a peaceful, connected family. And I personally think it's beautiful work because I'm helping families who either feel like they're struggling. Most people come to me when they feel like they're struggling. I wish we had a society that was a little more proactive. I do have some that are coming to me because they desire to create a strong foundation. But a lot of times it's when they're struggling and I help them see what's really going on under the surface and recognize their own feelings and needs and be able to talk about those and then create connection instead of conflict. So that they end up with children that are naturally more cooperative because they understand family values. And the end result is both parents and children that are knowing their worth, that know that they're loved unconditionally, that feel their own significance and feel that they're heard in their family and are no longer jockeying for position, but instead really working together as a team to create the family that everybody wants and desires Mm. to have at home. I love that. That's very cool. And so, you know, you talked a little bit about the journey into pediatrics and then how did you come out of pediatrics into something Mm -hmm. like Epic Coaching? Epic parenting. Very honestly. (laughs) So (laughs) I have two young boys and I was in practice working tons of hours as a clinical pediatrician. I had a very successful practice. I was the medical director of it. And then I had my children and Mm. I was the best parent in the world for my first son because he was very go with the flow, mellow child. And then my second came along and he definitely had bigger emotions and bigger feelings and I didn't know what to do with them. And the two-year-old that was throwing very long temper tantrums and I was exhausted at the end of the day and I didn't know what was going on. So I started doing the things that I would have been advising people to do for a decade, right? I'm a pediatrician. I give this advice all the time. (laughs) And what I realized was that the advice I was giving part of my language had sucked. It just Mm. didn't feel good. I didn't feel like I was connecting with my son. I was still yelling more than I wanted to. And I realized that there had to be a better way. There had to be a different way because this was not working for my family. The first time out I gave, I was heartbroken. My son looked Mm. devastated. And I realized that this was not giving me the connection and the relationship that I wanted. So I started reading and researching and listening to everything that I could. And for a year, I felt like even a worse parents, to be honest, because I still didn't have the tools, right? So now I knew what I wanted to create. And I kind of felt like I had learned the brain science behind why it was so important to create that connection with my children. But I was still yelling and frustrated and tired. And then I enrolled in a peaceful parenting training course. And in the course of that course, I was coached myself and with a lot of the tools that I use, plus I've expanded upon them. But I ended yelling within weeks. And my son, Mm. probably within about six weeks of me starting this work, went from having these like really long temper tantrums at the age of two and a half to looking at me and saying, mommy, I'm feeling frustrated. And I was like, there's something here. Like, this Mm. is amazing. And the connection with my children has just continued to get more beautiful and they get to be more of themselves without a lot of this conflict. 
And I was still going to work, looking at my patients and the families and the work that I was doing and practicing medicine in the 2014 is when I left practice. There's just no room to bring this, but I could see the need for it in nearly every family that I saw in my office and had the strong desire to be able to make more of a change. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it in 10 minute office visits. And I was feeling more and more out of integrity with really what my true passion was and what I was meant to do in the world. So I took the leap and said, you know, my medical career is one thing, but my happiness and really following what I'm on this planet to do is another. And so I founded Epic Parenting and I stepped away from my clinical practice. Wow, such a phenomenal story. And you and I really connected in the space of, you know, you now homeschool and do, you know, have that what I call the holistic lifestyle with your kids, correct? Yeah, I do. Never would have imagined in a million years that that would be my life. (laughs) If you would have talked to me, you know, 10 years ago, I would have thought you were insane. But yeah, my boys are now almost seven, will be seven next month and eight years old. And I have been homeschooling them for the past three years. And we are together 24-7-ish. I take my time away, but you know, we mm-hmm. are a family that spends our days and time together and we educate together. We all learn together and I don't get tired of them. <laughs> I, do, mm-hmm. I even have a hard time, you know, when people are like, yay, school's back in session, the kids are going. And I'm like, I can't even imagine that. And Mm-mm. they haven't gotten tired of me yet either. So that's promising. <laughs> Well, it is. And it's so beautiful and so affirming to hear because that's our experience also. In fact, not only just with our daughter, but also in our businesses. You know, my husband and I do both all of our businesses together. And he tells people, you know, we're a 24-7 family and it's just a different way of existence. And it's so amazing to check in, you know, because I periodically check in with Neva and ask her, you know, how, you know, if she's interested in school and if that's something she wants to explore and, you know, what the interests are and everything else and her reasons for not wanting to do that are pretty remarkable. And and so I I love that you almost jokingly said, you know, they're not tired of me yet either, but it's such an amazing way to relate to our children. I absolutely get that it's not for everybody, but I think a big part of the reason why most people can't see themselves doing it is because of everything that you're talking about, like not having the techniques and not having the tools and, you know, and thinking that it's just kind of normal that we all would get on each other's nerves and be exhausted and deal with it and all these other things. And you really have to force yourself to question, does it have to be that way? Or can it be differently? Yeah. And it's unfortunate that I think it's just such a common perception in our society. And it's kind of put out there like, okay, of course, it's going to be the terrible twos followed by the terrible threes and parenting is hard. And it's the hardest job that you've ever done. I mean, these are Mm -hmm. common, common aspects. And then it's not necessarily socially acceptable yet to say, hey, maybe we can learn parenting. Like maybe we don't have to just rely on what was modeled to us, but that it's not a negative to say, I'm going to learn different techniques and learn how to connect in a way that it doesn't have to feel overwhelming. Teenage years don't have to be stressful. We don't have to listen to those stories. Every evening, the mom doesn't need to drown out the whining she heard all day with a glass of wine. And that just Mm -hmm. seems to be such a common perception of what parenting or being a mom is all about. And yeah, I get that it feels that way because believe me, I felt that way. I know what it felt like to live for bedtime, to live Mm -hmm. for bedtime because I needed a break and so grateful that I learned tools to do it another way. And I check in with my kids too. 
we live across from an elementary school. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> is it something that you guys want to do? And they're like, are you kidding me? They also had the experience of going to pre-K, 3K and 4K before I left medical practice. And they remember it. Even to this day, they talk about like the time I got time out because I repeated, somebody said that's stupid. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you said the word stupid and they got, so they're just not feeling particularly respected there. I mean, they did fine. They were never in trouble, but they talk about experiences that left them feeling like they were being treated less than little humans that they are. Yeah, we have those stories too. I think that the challenge, the flip side of that coin is finding when the norm is really heart-centered, peaceful, kind of coexisting, the challenge is finding other environments where that's the case. And so we find it. That's the only thing that I would love to see more of are opportunities for engagement where that is the norm. Yeah. I know that we're very lucky in that we attract some amazing, amazing people into our existence. You know, but we have a lot of international type relationships all over the world because we just haven't found that locally where there was communities that uphold a lot of those same values. And so that's been challenging. It's forced us to get even more creative. And so there's always the flip side. And it definitely opens up dialogue of how other people parent or, you know, when my children see people being parented in a different way and they come back and they're like, that mom was being kind of mean. Yeah, it opens up dialogue about people's communication skill level. It's nothing more than that. It's not even necessarily a judgment. It's sort of like expecting somebody to be proficient in calculus the first day that they start it. So, you know, learning communication skills and learning empathy, it's just where is your skill level on that? How much exposure Mm -hmm. have you had to it and how much training have you had? So I try to teach them it's not a judgment thing, but we get to talk about, well, how would we have done it differently? Or, you know, how else do you think she could have communicated? And so that they aren't necessarily judging the other person, but that they can understand that there's different ways of communicating in the world and they're going to be exposed to all of it. Yep. And, And those tools are beyond powerful. Well, very cool. What advice would you have for parents who are kind of sitting where you were sitting where it's, you know, they're frustrated and they know that they wanted to have more with their kids and they don't really know how to go about that? My first advice would be for them to get curious about what else is really possible. You know, if I had to, and this is sort of a bit of advice I give to anybody is to really look at the concept, like if they're struggling with behavior issues and they're not having the connection that they want to consider the idea that all behavior is really just the best attempt to get a need met. Get curious Mm -hmm. about that concept right there and say, hmm, I wonder what underlying need is there. I don't think any behavior is bad or good. It's simply a best attempt to get a need met. And if they can start to get curious and then reach out to learn the skills because you don't have to do it alone and it really is worth doing it, but information isn't necessarily transformation. So, you know, you can read the books and look into what it is you want to create. But if you're finding that you're getting information overload and things aren't changing in your family, then be willing to say, you know what, there's no shame in reaching out and taking a course or doing something to learn some different skills to see what kind of changes I can create. And that usually just makes you get super excited about what else you can do, what else you Mm. can create in your family. But start, get curious about how different it can be and trust that it doesn't have to feel hard. Mm, I love all of that. That's beautiful. And I think it's such a powerful reminder to kind of look beyond certain things. 
early on with Neva, we started calling her like our barometer, you know, so if she was yeah. off, we were off somewhere, you know, something was amiss. And, you know, just checking in and making sure like, okay, am I emitting an energy, an energy signal, you know, setting that off or making sure that you're clear, making sure that your marriage is clear, your spousal relationship or partnership is clear. And then seeing if there's a way to be of assistance, you know, for her, but not immediately thinking that it's strictly behavioral. Cause I think, I think you're absolutely right. The behavior is always a way to get a need met. And, you know, our job is to train our children and how do they get their needs met in a way that's not harmful to them or others. Right. We have to be able to recognize what's going on when they're younger so that we can help teach them how to do that. So they grow into adults who are capable of meeting their own needs and aren't Mm. relying on other people to do that. But yeah, going back to what you just said, it's sort of a funny story to me as I joke around. As I was coming into this work, I started to realize that on those days when I went to work and I stubbed my toe and my patients were late and it was just an awful day and I was miserable and I would pick my kids up from daycare. They were the neediest, whiniest children who drove me crazy before I ever even got home. It would be the longest night. And then on those days when all the patients arrived on time and I was really connected with them and everything was going great and I took the time to get a massage after the office before picking up the kids from daycare. My kids were such joys and such pleasure and we had such fun. And then I had to take a look at it and say, what's the difference here? And it wasn't Mm. them. It wasn't them. It was me always. (laughs) (laughs) And it was one of those like, okay, this is just a moment every parent can relate to. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's usually not where they're coming from. They're just, like you said, a great barometer. Like what was going on with me and my ability? And yeah, they would be needier, but it's because they were picking up on what was going on with me. Yeah. And it's so powerful and it's so freeing when you can see that. But it requires having a willingness to look at yourself. You know, it's really easy back to what you were talking about, about we have all these big badges of honor, I think, in parenting. It's like, oh, that terrible twos are so hard. And we got through teething and then we got through the teen years. And it's like, (laughs) I don't know what we're patting ourselves on the back for, because it's, you know, to me, a lot of that is that constant, you know, kind of projection and assigning of any sort of negative behavior outward. It just can't be, you know, once you know how energy and synergy works, there's a connection somewhere. Yeah. And so some of the conflicts happening either within you or between the two parties, you know, it's never just one person in the situation. So once yeah. we get some clarity around that, even though it can feel icky in the beginning to kind of have to look at that, it really is the most powerful place to come from. It is. And you're giving away one of the biggest secrets of parenting coaching, <laughs> which is... Oh, so sorry. <laughs> when people come to me and they're like, you need to fix my kid. And I'm like, okay. And about four weeks into working together, they're like, we're still talking about me and I must be doing something wrong. And I'm like, yeah, but how's your child's behavior? You know, like the parenting issues have actually kind of gone away because the most of the work that we do is actually on the adults and their own perceptions and Mm -hmm. being able to look at it. Yeah. That's the big secret about parenting coaching. At the end of the day, yeah. At the end of the day, (laughs) the majority of the work that we do is really helping the 
parents Mm -hmm. to be able to look at themselves and see how things are a reflection on them. And then of course, learn the tools to connect with their children and learn how to parent playfully and really learn how to speak so that their kids hear them. Like those are clearly tools that are important, but none of them are effective until you're willing to take a look at yourself. Hmm. Until you're willing to take a look at yourself. It's the sort of the first thing I teach in all of my things is presence and evaluation of your feelings and needs as well as your child's. Beautiful. I love that. Well, I know a lot of our listeners are going to want to know more about you and, and, and the work that you do. Where can we send them? Sure. You can send them to epicparenting.org. That's E-P-I-C parenting, P-A-R-E-N-T-I-N-G.org. That is my website. On there, I actually have a free e-guide or they can sign up for a newsletter. And I'm also running a free 12-day Epic Parenting Challenge that they're always welcome to sign up for. And it's fun. It's actually text-based. So it meets you where we live in our world today. So you get a daily text every day with a little short three to six minute video and a little action plan for the day to sort of show you some of the tools that we employ with Epic Parenting and see how at 12 short days, you can start to create more connection at home. And any questions that anyone has, I'm always reachable at Dr. Tiffany, and that's a tricky spelling, D-R-T-I-F-F-A-N-I-E at epicparenting.org and sending me an email. I can send them any links or answer any questions that way as well. Pretty easy to find. Oh, well, very cool. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I love the work that you're doing in the world and I really honor you for doing it. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly an honor to be here today. And I love what you're doing with your work and with your family as well. It's inspiring. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Right back at you. And so, and to all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. Thank you for listening. Until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.